Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first we want to give a shout out to our podcast partners, We Coach and the Global Community of Women in High School Sports. These are two great organizations that you really need to be a part of. So check out the Global Community of Women in High School Sports and We Coach. And now let's have a quick word from our podcast sponsors. We want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for their support of the podcast. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. We use surveys in my schools for just about everything, and the information that comes back was almost always positive, and it'll be the same for you. But surveys also allow that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little, and sometimes they're going to share a small issue that you can address and keep it from turning into a big issue because you didn't know about it because you haven't done a survey. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Again, if you've never used a survey to get in touch with your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to say thanks to our friends at Snap Mobile. Go to onsnap.com or snapraise.com to check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an athletic director do your job better. SnapRaise is their uh, fundraising arm, and we've used it to raise thousands and thousands of dollars with our coaches, and you can too. They even have an option where you can get your money before you actually start your fundraiser. Does anybody else have that? Uh, Snap Store allows you to order custom spirit gear. Snap Connect uh, will put you in touch with uh, all of your parents and stakeholders. You can find it all at onsnap.com. That's onsnap.com. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channel. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. Use the podcast code ADPOD10 and get 10% off. That's gipper.com. Create custom branded content for your school's social media channel. We also want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. And check out their touchscreen consoles and their hundreds of templates that will allow you to display the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. The customer service is just outstanding. So go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and see how they can help you in your program. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing. Hometown has acquired Ticket Spicket. And together, they're going to provide a stronger and more comprehensive digital ticketing and event management solution for you. Go to hometownticketing.com, and they're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online, how to scan the attendees and collect the revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. Hometown will also show you how to uh, set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, your school plays and concerts, even graduation. You can find it all at hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Final Forms for their support. Final Forms is the leader in forms and registration, but there's so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with 
reminders about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final forms can help your coaches with attendance and communication. And for you as an athletic director, final forms can help with eligibility and with rosters and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive Indoor Scoring Tables and Video Boards. You've heard me say that we've got a Sideline Interactive Indoor Board in our gym, and it's just fantastic. We use it for pep rallies. We use it for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, uh, and you really need to check out what their products can do for you. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or email them at info at sidelineinteractive.com for more information. That's sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to say thanks to Huddle. Go to huddle.com. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to help their athletes play better. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years. But as an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school. And at huddle.com, you're going to find the tools to help your teams, your coaches, and your athletes get better. Huddle is going to provide a complete solution for the challenges you face as an AD. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. That's huddle.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Amy Bloomstein. She is the Dean of Students and the Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Episcopal Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Amy and I crossed paths at the recent uh, FCIS, uh, Florida Council on Independent Schools Conference, and uh, got a chance to talk with her a little bit. Thought she'd be a, ge a great guest for our listeners. And so here we are. Uh, Amy Bloomstein, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, again, uh, I was intrigued by your topic. Uh, you know, my background, uh, actually, uh, I have a very strong interest in it. Uh, and so let's go and jump right in. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So Give us that quick bio, where you were born, uh, where you grew up, uh, you know, a little sports background, and, and maybe take us up to the college years. We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, your career. So what's the Amy Bloomstein story? Well, I was born in Ohio, actually Lima, Ohio, and then moved to Jacksonville when I was probably about three years old or so. So I grew up in Jacksonville, lived in D.C. for about 15 years, and then moved back to Jacksonville. So here I am back. Um, I didn't really get into sports until um, I didn't play any high school sports or college sports. Uh, but then I became a mom and I had a boy and he started playing sports. So that's kind of where the sports interest began on my part. Uh, when he was three, four years old, he was just always into soccer, baseball, basketball, whatever it was. He played baseball all through his youth and then picked up football. And so going through all of those years, he's currently a grad student, uh, still playing football. So that's kind of where my sports background came from, uh, just being at the field with him 24-7. I became, you know, the whole thing, the team parent. 
uh, when he was in baseball out here at Atlantic Beach, I, I became a, an assistant coach of sorts and was able to help out with the team in that way and got really involved with being on the sidelines, being in the dugout. I actually got to um, be the representative for the draft one year of his little league baseball team, <laughs> only because the coach was out of town and he needed somebody to be there. So I went and I, I, it was really interesting to me. You know, we're there at 10 o'clock at night picking these little league players. So that was kind of fun. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled into um, being there, uh, being on the sidelines, cheering, being, getting really involved uh, through his college career. I've traveled, I think every weekend, nearly every home and away game. He's on his sixth year of eligibility. So it's been a long, long uh, traveling um, season for us, but um, that's pretty much how I got into sports. You know, the, the parent perspective is one that, you know, we often hear about um, from the other end of it, you know, from the coach or, or from the athletic director. I'm sure in your position at the school, you know, you have parents that, uh, that love to give you their opinion about, you know, this coach or that coach. Um, how did you, uh, looking back, how did you navigate that uh, during, say, those youth or high school days? Uh, you know, were you a were you a good sports parent or were you uh, maybe a not so good sports parent? That's a good question because yes, I do have, um, as my role now athletic director, yes, there are different parent support systems that I uh, encounter. Uh, I would have, I would consider myself a good sports parent, of course. Uh, I, I was always there to cheer and to help in any way. I knew I wasn't the one on the field coaching these kids. I wasn't the one putting in all of my time, um, you know, getting off of work, going to coach, uh, volunteering to coach. That wasn't me. Somebody else was doing that. So I really tried to uh, let the, you know, professionals say, make the call. Um, I was just there to support. I also, referees and umpires, I have a, a good respect for them at this point. When watching my son go through it, of course, there were people, you know, on the chain link fence screaming and yelling, that was a strike, you know, that wasn't a ball and all this stuff. But it's really from the referee's viewpoint, and it's their call. They're the ones getting paid to do that. We're just there to support and cheer on the team. So I think I, um, I don't recall ever really being upset with a coach or a referee. I mean, it was it was their call. That's what they're there to do. So I would always try to be a supporter and not um, really put my opinion in there too much. Yeah. Well, again, and that's a hard thing to do to turn the lens on yourself. I, I know looking back. Um, as a parent, I think I did okay, but as you know, I was a coach and I was an AD, um, you know, early in my career, maybe even far too late in my career, you know, I, I was not the best example of sportsmanship and all, all that, uh, but I learned, okay. Uh, and also for you, you know, you were there on those front lines, you know, you weren't on the other side of the, um, you were on the other side of the chain link fence in the dugout and coaching and volunteering and helping out. So, uh, you know, most parents, as you know, don't do that. You know, it's way too easy to criticize, uh, you know, from the bleachers. Um, let's go and talk a little bit about the career. You know, how did you, uh, you know, get involved in, you know, obviously you're a school administrator now, you know, how did that path unfold? Uh, so I was, um, once I graduated college, I went, I got my um, bachelor's in elementary education, K through six. So I was, became a math teacher and here at the same school, I've been here 16 years. So I, I entered as a math teacher, taught reading, social studies, uh, fourth grade. 
did that for a couple of years and then an administration position came open and it was for the extended day director. So the after school uh, activities. At that time, we had a longstanding athletic, or sorry, extended day director who um, was getting ready to retire. And uh, so they needed somebody else to take it over. So I applied for it, um, made a little PowerPoint, came into the office, got really excited about it. I was uh, interested in being an administrator and I didn't get it that year. So I went back to the classroom, tried again. And the next year, uh, the position came open a year later. So I went back and tried again. And there I was, I got hired. Uh, at that time, I was for a director of extended day. There was um, probably about five to six pre-K kids at that time coming to our program. And now we've got upwards of 20 plus kids each day. So the program's really grown over the years. Uh, the position kind of evolved into after school activities. So all of the clubs, um, everything that happens after three o'clock, chess club, art club, all of that stuff. So I was uh, under, that was all under my umbrella. And then our head of school at the time, she said, why don't we get a basketball team? So I said, okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> so I contacted another uh, school in the area that had just started a basketball team the year before. and. Um, we kind of collaborated and at that time we had that season that fall season I think we had a close to 56 kids in our teeny tiny school sign up for the basketball team so then I'm trying to figure out how to make you know 50 make playing possible for 56 kids so I think we had about eight or ten teams that year found some coaches and from there it kind of evolved into spring sports, which were flag football and volleyball. We just did clinics that year. And then we did a soccer team that year. And then all of a sudden I'm athletic director. <laughs> so it just kind of snowballed from our head of school at the time saying, why don't we try basketball? And um, that's where the, the, it just grew from there, honestly. You know, that, uh, that's so great to hear a story about, um, you know, the administrative support, um, actually, you know, be, being the touchstone, you know, asking you to develop that program, you know, it, it's just so critical to have that support as you're building an athletic program. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the program at San Jose Episcopal Day School when we come back. For our listeners, uh, our guest is Amy Bloomstein. She's the Dean of Students and the Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Episcopal Day School in Jacksonville. Uh, we'll be right back. Let's take our first break. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank the good folks at Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to help their athletes and their coaches do better. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school, and our coaches just loved the smart cameras, the mobile apps. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle's got the tools to help your teams, your coaches, and your athletes play better, and if you go to Huddle.com, you're going to find a professional-grade solution to the challenges your coaches are facing. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in huddle join the six million users and find out how to turn your school into a huddle school we also want to say thanks to sideline interactive their indoor scoring tables and video boards not only help you generate income 
but also create the ultimate game day experience for your student-athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their products. Uh, you can also schedule a live web demo and see what their tables and boards can do for you. That's sidelineinteractive.com or shoot them an email at sales at sidelineinteractive.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Amy Bloomstein. She's the Dean of Students and Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Episcopal Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Amy, uh, in our profession, we talk about the importance of leadership and particularly mentorship. So who are some of the mentors that you've had in your career? None of us get to where we're at on our own. So who are some of the people that have helped you along the way? Um, so at my school, I've been here 16 years. So um, I would say the majority of my uh, professional life is probably mentors here at the school. Uh, back to the uh, former head of school who uh, wanted a basketball team here at the school. Her uh, leadership uh, style, uh, she trusted us as professionals. She allowed us to make decisions. She um, she trusted our judgment as far as starting this new program. Uh, she would run a, an idea past me and then I would kind of take off running with it. And I kept coming back to check with her. And she, you know, she was like, this is your thing. This is your baby. Let's just do it. Let's see how it goes. Uh, there was a couple of times throughout the, um, the early stages of the program where other heads of schools at uh, some of our sister schools in the area that were joining this program as well, um, weren't really giving their athletic directors the, the freedom to kind of create this program. So I really credit our, my former head of school, Lori Minger, for uh, entrusting me and building the confidence that I needed um, professionally um, to do that. Uh, I would say some other mentors along the way, probably, um, and they're probably more mentors toward my son, but the way that I saw them mentor him as a coach, uh, Porky Rogers for one, my son uh, said at one point, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a very um, notable coach here in Florida. And he uh, was very um, strict and he expected a lot out of his student athletes. And my son would come home, you know, totally tired and sweaty and hot and all that stuff and still have homework to do. And uh, he said at one point, he said, I know Coach Rogers loves us. Uh, so he knew that. Coach Rogers knew that balance of expecting the best out of the student athletes, but making sure that they knew that they were cared for and loved. They're still kids, uh, you know, at that point. Another one that kind of showed a lot of grace toward my son and again, um, mentor toward me because he taught, I took what he was showing my son into my role as an athletic director, uh, Lonnie Martz, who, uh, was a mentor toward my son when he was younger, just the grace that he showed him, the understanding, knowing that he was a kid, knowing that kids, um, you know, they're learning, they're making mistakes along the way, and the grace that he showed him kind of turning every um, mistake or every uh, thing that they didn't do perfectly into a learning opportunity. So those are probably the biggest mentors that I've used 
Well, and again, I, I love to hear the stories, but uh, for this one, I, I love how, you know, you incorporated, you know, the, the mentors that your son had, you know, as, as a student athlete and how watching that relationship develop over the years that in, in turn became a mentor to you. Very cool. Okay. Let's go and talk a little bit about your program uh, at your school. Now, obviously, you know, you've been there for a long time and, you know, you had, you know, been there's an infrastructure there, but starting a team, a competitive team, you know, that's a challenge, you know, at any school. So what were some of the, uh, when your uh, head of school came to you with that task, uh, you mentioned that you reached out to another school, but I mean, what were some of the things that you were thinking about organizationally that you needed to do and how they all fell into place? Uh, Can you share a little bit of that, um, how that timeline worked out? Sure. Um, the things I started thinking of was what did I appreciate as a parent having gone through all of this um, on the other side of it? What did I appreciate? And one of the things that kept popping up was consistent and clear communication. Um, so for myself as an athletic director, um, reaching out to people, putting this information out there, hey, we're starting a basketball team, come play. Just giving them all the details they could possibly want or need to consider that option of well, this school hasn't had a basketball team in years. You know, what does this consist of? Practice days, times, what the cost of the uniform is going to be, um, how much time commitment that they would need to put in, just clear communication on the front end so that um, I wouldn't have to go back and, you know, answer 20 questions when people weren't clear on what, what it is we're trying to do here. And then once the team started kind of coming together, um, just keeping everything really consistent and clear for the families and the kids, knowing when they have practice, what days to bring their change of clothes to school, when they need an extra snack, all of those little things in the life of an elementary school kid, uh, if they don't have their you know, snack on the right day or their after school clothes or whatever it might be, we've got kids in the office that it just kind of throws them in a tailspin in the morning because they didn't, you know, they forgot their tennis shoes. How on earth are they going to practice after school if they forgot their shoes? When to us, it's not really a big deal. We're just like, wear, wear your regular clothes. But um, those little details really matter to the kids and the families. So starting it off like uh, being as organized as possible and um, as clear as possible was, was a big thing for me. Yeah, the communication is, is so critical, particularly with, you know, those uh, younger kids, you know, we'll, we'll, sometimes we'll have to talk to junior high coaches that, you know, they don't, uh, they don't think about, you know, well, these junior high kids, let alone elementary, uh, junior high kids, they're not driving to practice, they're not driving home, you know, they, they, you know transportation, you know, you got to communicate that to the parents. Um, we're going to take a little deeper dive after the break, but one, one more question. Um, as you were putting together, you know, the program, um, obviously you have to have coaches, um, you know, where did you go? Were you able to get your coaches internally? Did you have to bring in outside coaches? Were they, were they parents? How did you handle that and, and manage that, uh, that challenge that all ADs have to deal with? That is always the biggest challenge, honestly. Um, starting off, we had, uh, it's, it's been a mix. We've had volunteers. Uh, we've had parent volunteers. Uh, right now, I've got a coach that's with us for basketball that has coached with us, I think, eight years. He is an outside coach. 
Um, we've had teachers coach somebody that, you know, that's played high school uh, basketball or college basketball. We've had one or two of those along the way. But yes, coaches are always the hardest to come by, especially with us being a small private school, uh, finding coaches that um, agree with or that fit our mission statement, meaning uh, we, um, we're competitive league, but yet we're elementary school and we are not going, we're not getting any rings at the end of the season. We're not going to Disney World at the end of the season. We are here to learn and grow. And um, a lot of our coaches coach at either the high school or um, middle school level or the Y League or other leagues, which is great, but getting them to kind of adjust that mentality to an element, a, a fundamental uh, learning league who's still competitive, we like to win. Um, but those are the, the, that's always been the biggest challenge is finding coaches season to season. So when we find those long standing coaches like the one we have now that's been with us for, you know, quite a, eight years or so, uh, we kind of hang on to that as much as we can. Yeah, well, I, I love everything you said. It's almost like, uh, you know, we have the same playbook. You know, I, I would tell our, our new coaches, particularly at the middle school level, because we were a K through 12 school. Uh, and I would say, for middle school, you know, you know, we want to win. Yeah. But, um, I'm not hanging any championship banners in the gym for your undefeated season. Uh, and I may fire you after you win every game. Um, or, uh, at the end of the season, if you lost every game, we may be celebrating like we just won the world cup because the kids are saying, boy, I wish we had five more games or boy, I can't wait for next year. Or I had so much fun you know, those are the things that we're trying to get. No, by the way, we do want to win, but uh, it's not what's driving our bus. Great stuff. Uh, our guest today, if you just tuned in, is uh, Amy Bloomstein. She's the Dean of Students and the Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Day School, and that's in Jacksonville, Florida. We're going to come back here a little bit more about her uh, sports programs, but uh, right now we're going to take another break. Uh, this is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and start selling your tickets online. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you're going to have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, your school plays and concerts, even graduation. You'll find it all at hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to our friends at Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and check out their touchscreen video boards and consoles that'll help you show your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's daily events, your school records, or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and check out their products, even get a live web demonstration. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. They're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is Amy Bloomstein from San Jose Episcopal Day School in Jacksonville. 
Amy, you talked a little bit about the program. Sounds very cool. Um, obviously, you know, very successful with the number of kids you have in there. Um, how do you, um, you know, take us into, you know, some of the inner workings, uh, you know, how do you split the kids up? You know, how do you keep them, you know, excited? You know, how do you balance fun and fundamentals with competition? Um, you know, anything you can share about how you make your program work that our listeners can take away with them. So I think every year is, has been different. We've grown every year, um, different options, um, different things have come up for us every year. Earlier on, we started doing a pep rally. Again, we're a small school that had never had a, a, a sports league before. So for us, a pep rally was kind of a first time, first thing. Uh, we would, uh, I'm also a director of extended day. So the extended day kids would paint, hand paint these big, huge banners. And we would get the um, basketball teams, uh, all of them, all, you know, eight of them or so to run through the sign. The rest of the school is in the gym. We've got um, kindergarten through second grade cheerleaders. So these little itty bitty cheerleaders with their little pom-poms making a tunnel. Um, again, these are all things that I just think of that I enjoyed as a parent watching my son go through all this. So I was, you know, why not put on a, a pep rally for these little kids? Uh, we got the, invited the parents, had the teachers involved in a um, kind of a shootout game. So the whole gym is screaming and yelling. So we do that usually in the fall. Of course, COVID kind of derailed that for the moment, but we're kind of getting back into that. Uh, that's one of the things that we do to kind of end the basketball season and then hype up the next, uh, the winter sports, which are volleyball and flag football. A couple other cool things that I've been able to do along the way to just to keep the excitement alive. Um, a couple of years ago, somehow I got in contact with the Lady Gators basketball team. They were here in Jacksonville. And I just started putting together a uh, clinic. They were coming to our school. I started writing to them, reached out to them. They said, yeah, we'll be at your school on Saturday. Um, I was like, well, why don't we do a, a little basketball clinic for our basketball players? So I just kind of, I mean, literally just started putting stuff together. And Friday night, the Friday night beforehand, I put it out to all of our students and families. They were all coming all of our basketball players were there in their little uniforms, but I was watching the news, local news Friday night, and somebody told the news, the local news, and the next morning, Saturday morning, I show up, and there's a line around the corner of people from Middleburg and Orange Park, like all around Jacksonville had come to see the Lady Gators because they saw it on the, the news the night before, so while I was expecting, you know, 100 kids from our school, we ended up probably having three times that many people from the community. The Lady Gators were fantastic. They pulled up in the, the bus. Albert and Alberta were here. Um, so that was kind of cool. And our kids for the rest of the year, like that was their thing. They became pen pals with the Lady Gators. We wrote to them. We sent video messages. Um, that was one thing to, another thing just to kind of keep the kids excited. And then more recently, last spring, um, one of our alum, he uh, did the signing day here at our school. And again, his mom called the night before and she was like, is there any way that, you know, he can do a signing there? So they had had a, something happen with their previous location. And within 24 hours, I was on CBS News doing a sound check and we hosted this kid's signing day live on CBS Sports. But again, I was expecting his family. I set up chairs for 10, 15 people. And we had over probably 200 gyms packed. This kid pulls his 
Yeah, he's got the three choices, pulls his hat, went to the Gators, by the way. So another Gator connection there. Uh, but just trying to find different things like that, where I really make our, our athletes part of that whole thing. So at that time, when he did his signing uh, for football, we had our flag football team in attendance and they were up in the stands. And then he went out and did a little clinic with the flag football kids. Uh, we also have an alum that is a soccer player. So she's been refing our games for probably two or three years now. And she is, um, she's getting, she possibly will be going pro. So she comes back and hangs out with our, um, with our student athletes as well. So really just trying to reach out to our alum, um, anybody in the community that has anything to do with sports, it gets our kids excited and makes them kind of feel more like a student athlete. So our teams, you know, typically get packed. So then we're dividing them up into, uh, you know, what started as two teams and then they spread into four or five, six teams. Um, in our league, we do uh, split them up um, ability, but uh, sorry, mm -hmm. we don't split them up ability wise. We try to keep the uh, teams pretty equal so that they're not stacked. So um, that is, I wouldn't say it's a challenge because all the we're supposed to have equal teams. So the kids kind of just go out and they've got some of the better players on the team and some of the kids that have never played before. So then the coaches kind of, um, you know, get an array of, of uh, abilities on each team. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that point because that is a consideration at those lower levels. And it's not a, a right, wrong, good or bad. It's just, you know, how do you choose to do it? You know, grouping by ability or, or splitting them up. You know, the, I, I think the goal is the same regardless of how you do it. Make it fun, teaching fundamentals. And you know, given his uh, given that game experience, and boy, I, I love the the alumni connections that that you developed. I mean, that would uh, uh, I, I think some high schools would like to have that degree of uh, connection with with some of their alums to do have him come back and do his signing day there. That must have been a, a really cool experience that the kids are going to talk about for a long, long time. You know, very cool. Once again, uh, for our listeners, our guest is Amy Bloomstein. She's the Dean of Students and the Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. We're going to take another break. I know that's shocking to our regular listeners, but uh, we'll be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank our good friends at Snap Mobile uh, for their support of the podcast. Go to Snap raise.com or on snap that's onsnap.com and check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help athletic directors do their job better snap raise is their fundraising platform our coaches have used snap raise and it's just fantastic as an athletic director i knew what was going on but i didn't have to be involved and our parents loved it it was just great uh and you can raise thousands of dollars too they even have an option where you can get your funds before you actually do your fundraiser. Does any other fundraising platform do that? Uh, Snap Store allows you to order custom spirit gear for your uh, entire program. Snap Connect is their multilingual secure uh, parent connection platform and so many others. Go to onsnap.com or snapraise.com to find out more. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. 
Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channel. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com, use the podcast code ADPOD10 and get 10% off. That's Gipper.com. Create custom branded content for your school's social media channel. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Amy, one of the newer questions that we've been asking our guests, um, we stole from another podcast, uh, Jen Brooks and her great podcast, The Global Community of Women in Sport. And it goes like this. Um, you know, you've been doing this job for 16 years. You know, you, your son is involved in sports. You certainly know your way around sports. What are some things that you've learned in that time from the kids, from the student athletes? Uh, anything you can share with our listeners? One of the biggest things I think I've probably learned is on how to, well, maybe not how to, because I'm still working on it probably, but really putting a lot of effort and trying to keep dignity and respect intact the whole time. Uh, these are kids. These are, for, for myself, they're elementary school kids. Our sports league starts in third grade and goes through sixth. We have clinics for the younger kids, kindergarten through second. And there, some of them are playing on these outside teams, travel teams, and some of them are not. Some of them are trying it for the very first time. So keeping dignity and respect intact um, on my behalf, the teachers, the, their uh, teammates, and especially from the coaches. I've seen over a couple of years um, here at our elementary school that some of these kids don't love the sport. Their parents are really wanting them to get off of this, the, the iPad or get away from screen time and trying to introduce them to some kind of um, you know athletic something just to get them moving. So if a kid comes to us and they don't love it, or if they don't have a, a fondness for it, typically they're not going to sign up for it again. They're going to develop a dislike for whatever sport, basketball, soccer, whatever it might be. Um, and a lot of that starts with the teammates, but uh, especially the coaches. So when we hire our coaches, we really try to find coaches that, um, like I said before, want to win or competitive but at the same time are able to keep the kids' dignity intact while also respecting them so that the, the students want to keep coming back. They want to keep trying. They know that they're not perfect. They know that they're going to make a mistake. They're going to miss the goal. They're going to miss something. But the coach uh, is able to use that as a teaching moment and um, making sure that the kid feels respected that they're trying their hardest. And, you know, we all make mistakes and hopefully learning from that, practicing, you missed a shot, go home and shoot 20 shots a night, whatever it might be, to get better and come back the next practice, the next game. Um, my experience with coaches is the coaches that are able to keep the kids' dignity and respect intact and to be graceful with the kids, uh, knowing it's a learning situation, uh, tend to be the more productive coaches. They tend to um, have the kids that keep coming back and signing up for the team. We've had um, very recently uh, a couple kids that have started here, uh, one in particular volleyball, started here first time ever hitting a volleyball. We had some really good volleyball coaches 
uh, that just coached them along the way. And now she's got a scholarship. She's graduating uh, as a senior this year and is heading off to play beach volleyball at um, down in South Florida. I can't remember the name of it, but um, but she started here as, as having never touched a volleyball before in her life. That could have gone either way. Luckily, we had some coaches that were able to, um, you know, coach her through, get her better, make her confident. So that when she went on to middle school, uh, she was able to kind of take off from there. So that's probably the biggest thing I've learned from the kids is um, how to make them more uh, productive, more confident. And to me, it starts with dignity and respect. Wow. Another great story. Uh, you know, you got to put all those uh, events in the, in your marketing brochures if you're not already doing it. You know, that, that that's very cool. Um, I'm putting you on the spot here. You, you, you shared uh, a couple of student success stories. And again, that's not why we run programs, but they're, they're certainly nice uh, events to look back on. Um, can you pick out um, a parent success story that, you know, maybe initially, you know, it was one of those uh, uh, high maintenance parents uh, that we have to work with in athletics that by the end of the season or maybe by the end of their uh, child's uh, career at your school, you know, they had kind of come around uh, and seen the light. Uh, any stick out for you? Um, we've, for the most part, had some pretty supportive parents. Um, I can't think of any one particular that sticks out. Uh, I, I would say after... Um, We've had a like a, essentially a contract, a student athlete contract, and a parent uh, spectator contract, to where they're going to let the referees make the calls, let the coaches coach the games, and you're going to be here as a spectator. Um, so I think after I've had, there's been years where I have not had that meeting with parents beforehand, and I would say that that kind of again, COVID kind of ruined that. But we're getting back on track with that. Um, just meeting as a group and all that, but having the parents on board early on in the season, as far as what the expectations are uh, as a, a spectator, as a parent, that uh, always ends up in a success story. So I can't think of really any one particular parent that really needed that extra you know, tutoring session on how to act in our private school gym. Uh, but as a whole, once you set the expectations, it's it's been, I wouldn't say it's been 100% smooth, but it's been, you know, pretty smooth in that that part, luckily. And it goes back to what you uh, led with in the very first segment about communication, you know, uh, making sure everybody knows, hey, this is how we roll. This is what our program is. Uh, Amy, uh, we'll do this again at the at the end, but if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain a little bit, find out more about how you do things at uh, your school, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Probably email. Uh, my email is a bloomstein a b l u m s t e i n at sjeds.org, and I'm happy to answer any kind of questions. And I'm sure there's a, a contact information at uh, San Jose Country Day School in uh, Jacksonville, Florida website. Correct? Yes. Yes. Website as well. Sjeds.org. Okay, very cool. We're going to be back with some more, but we're going to take another break. Uh, we're visiting with Amy Bloomstein. Uh, she's the Dean of Students and the Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll be right back. 
We want to thank Final Forms for their support of the podcast. Final Forms is the industry leader in forms and registration, but they are so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like uh, mobile apps. They have reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that come when you have an athlete in the house. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help you with eligibility and rosters and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake and get started with Final Forms. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Amy, you and I were talking during the break a little bit about, you know, how, because uh, both of our experiences have been largely at, uh, at private schools, independent schools. Uh, parents are certainly part of the equation, maybe even more so than at a public school, because they are, you know, literally, you know, paying all that tuition. Um, one of the themes uh, the last year or two in athletic administration has been the idea of instead of dealing with parents, trying to partner with parents. So what are some of the ways that you try to partner with parents? Uh, we're not giving them the, uh, uh, the keys to the car but we're trying to make it an enjoyable ride. So uh, any um, advice, any suggestions or how you partner with parents? Uh, that's a good question, especially like you said, being at a private school where there is tuition paid. Um, partnering with parents is very important for us. Uh, it makes everything run smoother. Um, from the kids, they, they see everything, they soak up everything, the partnerships between adults, whether it's the coaches, whether the coaches and the parents, myself and the parents, um, the kids are listening to all of this, the kids are soaking it in. And however, their parents are acting or reacting to say um, coaches or referees or myself or anybody here at the school, um, the kids are hearing that they're soaking it in. So to be good role models um, is one, way that we really try to model for our parents to partner with us is um, the open communication, the clear communication. We're going to be open with you. If you have any questions, you know, reach out and ask us instead of assuming something and then getting all upset about it and kind of going off on that and then talking to other parents about your assumption. Um, so having open and clear communication is a, a big way that we, we attempt every day to partner with our parents. Um, we've got, we try to open up our sports league to have team parents who it's nice to have that extra help of somebody sending out that email or somebody organizing the, the uniforms, but to get them here on campus as a partner, as a team parent, um, kind of hopefully promotes that partnership where we can't do this all by ourselves. We can't do it all. Um, you know, one person can't do the whole thing and getting the parents here on campus during the school day, then they can go have lunch with their kids or they can, um, you know, come organize the uniforms in the morning and then spend the, go do some AR reading with their student or something of the sort. So really building the partnership um, any way possible, parents keeping score at our games. Um, while it is a job that somebody needs to do, it also gives the parent a front row seat and gets them involved in that way. Um, so there's a lot of little ways in which athletic directors, especially at the elementary school level, 
can get the parents involved. And the more parents are involved, the smoother things seem to go once that partnership is built and that trust is built that we're here for the kids. We're here doing our jobs that we, you know, come in to do every day that we're passionate about and getting the parents support behind that is um, it's very important for the program to kind of run smooth. Um, also, when there's a change in schedule or a change in location, once you build that communication with parents, they then form that little pipeline. And while I'm sitting here sending out emails to notify as well, uh, word of mouth with the parents, if you have that partnership, if you have that trust to the parents, um, you know, they can kind of get messages out to each other. So it just becomes uh, pretty much a team working for these kids to make sure that everything goes smoothly. Yeah. Um, your point is just so key uh, and not just for private schools, for public schools as well is, you know, finding that role, that job, if you will, for the parent. And, and maybe it's helping send out the, uh, the weekly emails, you know, maybe it's keeping score, the book, uh, you know, taking the the tickets uh, hopefully online tickets you know at, at the gate or working concession there's so many ways that they can be uh, a partner with the school and and not just feel like they're on an island uh and, and not connected because parents i think want to be involved uh they just sometimes they don't know how to get involved and that's where a, a good leader like yourself is going to help them find that right role Amy, this has been really cool. Uh, I knew when I met you at the FCIS conference, you'd be a great guest and you certainly have come through. Uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with our athletic director toolbox segment. We've already established you certainly know your way around the world of athletics. But uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to send out a brand new athletic director on the very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. So we're going to hear from Athletic Surveys, who sponsor our Toolbox segment. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Amy Bloomstein is going to put in her Athletic Director Toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At my schools, we use surveys for just about everything, for coaches, for kids, for parents. And the information that came back was almost always positive, and it'll be the same for you. But surveys also allow that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little bit. And sometimes they're going to share a small issue that you can address and keep it from turning into a big issue because you didn't know about it because you hadn't done a survey. Go to athleticsurveys.com or shoot them an email at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting with Amy Bloomstein. She's the Dean of Students and Director of Auxiliary Programs at San Jose Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, got a long background uh, as an athletic uh, parent and an athletic uh, director. But right now I'm going to challenge her to send out a brand new AD on their very first job. But I'm only going to let her put three things in their toolbox. Amy, what three items are going to go into your 
Athletic Director Toolbox? So the first tool I would say would be to get to know your school's culture if you don't already know your school's culture. Um, public school, private school, whatever it might be, what are they looking for um, for their athletic program? Um, what is their mission statement? If your school has a mission statement, what is that mission statement? And how can you set expectations of your student athletes, coaches, spectators, et cetera, based off of your school's culture? Um, knowing the school's culture, setting expectations around that for me has been um, allowed us to run a less stressful program on my part because I know that people know what to expect. The kids know what to expect, the parents, the spectators, um, and it all falls in line with our school culture. Uh, the next thing I would recommend was, is, and I've said it a couple of times, would be communication. Communication, I think, is key. Um, communication from myself as the athletic director to, of course, the, the athletes, the coaches, the parents, but also to my school office. Um, knowing who's going to be in the gym on what day, who's got what field reserved. Uh, we have a, a Google calendar where I try to put as much possible on there so that anybody scheduling anything in the gym on, you know, any given Tuesday knows um, that we're in there for basketball. So communication between everybody involved really um, has been a, a very important thing for us. And then my last tool would be flexibility. Um, I know as an athletic director, of course, schedules are set, game times are set, those types of things are set, but the things that you can be flexible on, uh, a little flexibility, you know, goes a long way. So there are things that, of course, we can't be flexible on, but the things that can, as an elementary school, this past season, we started the season with um, five girls on our basketball team. We play five on five. So I was didn't these kids wanted to play these five kids wanted to play I didn't want to cancel the season because they would be let down they wouldn't get the experience so I called this school that we we're supposed to play our first game against we were all flexible we um, added an extra water break now again this is elementary school so it's easier to do for us but uh, we added an extra water break we let the referees know everybody involved was flexible the girls played we actually won um, the next week for our second game, we had eight girls on the team. So being flexible allowed us to play this season. Um, had we canceled it, you know, only having five kids, we, those girls wouldn't have had a season at all. So um, being flexible in, in the, the places where you can be flexible. No, absolutely. And, and again, you, you, you talked about it, keeping that program going. Uh, you got three more girls and, you know, it, it, it just builds on itself. Great, great stuff. Amy, one more time, if uh, one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain and find out how you run your programs and listeners, I, I really think you've got a great resource here. What's the best way that they can get in touch with you? So I think your uh, website, our school's website is the best place, sjeds.org, the San Jose Episcopal Day School. Um, that would be the best place to find my name and contact info. Okay. Well, Amy Bloomstein, San Jose Day School in Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and all the best moving forward. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. No, we've had a lot of fun too. 
For our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of each interview get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time.